0: Chapter fourteen of the precipice. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The precipice by Elia Wilkinson Chapter fourteen. The spring was coming. Signs of it showed at the park edges where the high willow hedges began to give forth shoots of yellowish green. At times the lake was opalescent and the sky had moments of tenderness and warmth. Even through the pavement one seemed to scent the earth and the flower shops set up their out-of-door booths and solicited the passer-by with blossoms when kate could spare the money she bought flowers for marna for it was flower time with marna and she had seen the angel of the annunciation all that was celtic in her was coming uppermost she dreamed and brooded and heard voices kate liked to sit in the little west side flat and be comforted of the happiness there she was feeling very absurd herself and was ashamed of her excursion into the realms of feminine folly that was the way she put her defection from common sense and her little flare of sentiment for ray and all her breathless ridiculous preparation for him she had never worn the chrysanthemum dress and she so loathed the sight of it that she boxed it and put it in the bottom of her trunk no word came from ray some time had not materialized and he had failed to call. His name was much in the papers as best man or cotillion leader or host at club dinners. He moved in a world of which Kate saw nothing, a rather competitive world, where money counted and where there was a brisk exchange of social amenities. Kate's festivities consisted of sentimental dinners and tea here and there at odd, interesting places with fellow welfare workers and now and then she went with honora to some university affair a great many ladies sent her cards to their afternoons ladies whom she met at the home of the president of the university or with whom she came in contact at hull-house or some of the other settlements but such diversions she was obliged to deny herself they would have taken time from her too busy hours and she had not the strength to do her work according to her conscience and then to drag herself halfway across town merely for the amiability of making her a bow and eating an ice in a charming house not but that she enjoyed the atmosphere of luxury the elusive sense of opulence given her by the flowers the distant music the smiling luxurious complimentary women the contrast between the glow within and the chill of twilight without twilight sparkling with the lights of the waiting motors and the glittering procession on the drive but after all while others rode she walked and sometimes she was very weary to be sure she was too gallant too much at ease in her entertaining world too expectant of the future to fret even for a moment about the fact that she was walking while others rode she hardly gave it a thought but her disadvantages made her unable to cope with other women socially she was as she often said fond of playing a game but the social game pushed the point of achievement a trifle too far moreover there was the mere bother of dressing the part her handsome heavy shoes her strong fashionable street gloves her well-cared-for street frock and becoming practical hat she could obtain and maintain in freshness she was well groomed and made a sort of point of looking competent as if she felt mistress of herself and her circumstances she could even make herself dainty for a little dinner but the silks and furs the prodigality of yard-long gloves the fetching boots and whimsical jewels of the ladies who made a fine art of feminine entertainments were quite beyond her so sensibly she counted it all out that ray was at home in such surroundings and that had she been willing to give him the welcome he expected she might have had a welcome at these as yet unopened doors through which he passed with conscious suavity sometimes occurred to her she was but human and but woman and she could not be completely oblivious to such things but they did not after all wear a very alluring aspect when she dreamed of being happy as she often did it was not amid such scenes sometimes when she was half sleeping and vague visions of joy haunted the farther chambers of her brain she saw herself walking among mountains the setting sun glittered in distant splendid snows the torrent rushed by her filling the world with its clamour beneath lay the valley and through the gathering gloom she could see the light of homes then as sleep drew nearer and the actual world slipped farther away she seemed to be treading the path homeward with some companion which of those lights spelled home for her she did not know and whenever she tried to see the face of her companion the shadows grew deeper as deep as oblivion and she slept she was lonely she felt she had missed much in missing ray she knew her friends disapproved of her and she was profoundly ashamed that they should have seen her in that light expectant hour in which she awaited this lover who appeared to be no lover after all but she deserved her humiliation she had conducted herself like the expectant bride and she had no right to any such attitude because her feelings were not those of a bride the thing that she did desperately care about just now was the filling up of a home for mothers and babes in the wisconsin woods it was to be a place where the young polish mothers of a part of her district could go and forget the belching horror of the steel mills and the sultry nights in the crowded vermin haunted homes she hoped for much from it much more than the physical recuperation though that was not to be belittled there was some hitch at the last about the endowment a benevolent spinster had promised to remember the prospective home in her will, and neglected to do so, and now there were several thousands to be collected from some unknown source. Kate was absorbed with that when she was not engaged with her regular work. Moreover, she made a point of being absorbed. She could not endure the thought that she might be going about with a love he cometh not, expression life has a way of ambling withal for a certain time and then of breaking into a headlong gallop bolting free plunging to catastrophe or liberty kate went her busy way for a fortnight somewhat chastened in spirit secretly a little ashamed and altogether very determined to make such a useful person of herself that she could forget her apparent lack of attractions for she told herself mercilessly that if she had been very much desired by ray he would not have been able to leave her upon so slight a provocation then one day it was the last day of may and the world had rejuvenated itself she came across him a more unlikely place hardly could have been chosen for their meeting than an isle of safety in mid-street with motors hissing and toof toofing round about policemen gesticulating and the crowd ceaselessly surging the two were marooned with twenty others and met face to face squarely like foes who set themselves to combat at first he tried not to see her and she noting his impulse thought it would be the part of propriety not to see him then that struck her as so futile so childish so altogether a libel in the good fellowship which they had enjoyed in the old days that she held out her hand he swept his hat from his head and grasped the extended hand in a violent yet tremulous clutch we seem to be going in opposite directions she said there was just a hint of rising inflection in the accent he laughed with nervous delight we are going the same way he declared that's a well-established fact an irritable policeman broke in on them with Do you people want to get across the street or not? Personally, said McRae, smiling at him, I'm not particular. The policeman was Irish and he liked lovers. He thought he was looking at a pair of them. Well, it's not the place I'd be choosing for conversation, sir, he said. Right you are, agreed Ray. I suppose you'd prefer a lane in Bala Yes, sir. Good luck to you, sir. Same to you, called back Ray. He and Kate swung into the procession on the boulevard. Kate was smiling happily. "'You haven't changed a bit,' she cried. "'You keep right on enjoying yourself, don't you?' "'Not a bit of it,' retorted Ray indignantly. "'I've been miserable. You know I have. "'The only satisfaction I got at all was in hoping I was making you miserable, too. "'Was I?' "'I wouldn't own to it if you had,' said Kate. "'Shall we forgive each other?' "'Do you want it to be as easy as that, after all we've been through? "'Wouldn't it be more satisfactory to quarrel?' "'You can if you want, of course,' Kate laughed. "'But hadn't it better be with some other person?' "'Really, I wanted to see you dreadfully, or at least I wanted to see you pleasantly. "'I had made preparations. "'You didn't let me know when to expect you, and I had an engagement when you did come. "'Weren't you foolish to get in a rage?' But I was so frightfully disappointed. I expected so much, and I had expected it so long. Ray, her voice was almost stern, and he turned to look at her half with amusement, half with apprehension. Expect nothing. Enjoy yourself today. But how can I enjoy myself today unless I am made to understand that there is something I may expect from you? Circumstances have kept us playing fast and loose long enough can't we come to an understanding kate kate stopped to look in a florist's window and fixed her eyes upon a vast bouquet of pale pink roses do say something he said after a time shall i speak from the heart oh yes please he drew his breath in sharply between his teeth well then i'm not ready to give up my free life ray I can't seem to see my way to relinquishing any part of my liberty. I think you know why. I've told you everything in my letters. I feel too experimental to settle down. You don't love me. Did I ever say I did? You gave me to understand that you might. You wanted me to try. But you haven't succeeded. Then for heaven's sake let me go and make out some other program for myself. I've come back to you because I couldn't be satisfied away from you. I've seen women, if it comes to that, cities of women. But there's no one like you, Kate, to my mind. No one who so makes me enjoy the hour or so plan for the future. Ever since that day when you stood by the sea bench and fought for the right of women to sit on at that silly old sea bench, I've liked your warring spirit. And I come back by Jove to find you marching with militant women Well, I didn't know whether to laugh or swear. Anyway, you do beat the world. A pretty sweetheart I'd make, cried Kate, disgusted with herself. I'm only good to provide you with amusement, it seems. You provide me with the breath of life. Heaven's what a spring you have when you walk, and you're as straight as a grenadier. I'm so sick of seeing slouching, die-away women. It's only you American women who know how to carry yourselves. Oh, Kate, if you can't answer me, don't. But let me see you once in a while. I'm a weak character, and I've got to enjoy your society a little longer. You can enjoy as much of it as you please. Only you mustn't be holding me up to some tremendous responsibility and blaming me by and by for things I can't help. I give you my word I'll not. Oh, Kate is this a busy day for you can't you come out to the country somewhere we could take the electric and in an hour we'd be out where we could see orchards in bloom i could go mused kate i've a half holiday coming to me and really if i were to take it to-day no one would care the eyes have it let us go to the station i'll buy plenty of tickets and we can get off at any place where the climate seems mild and the natives kind it proved to be a day of encounters they had travelled well beyond the city past the straggling suburbs and the comfortable friendly old villages some of which antedated the city of which they were now the fringe and had reached the wider sweeps of the prairie with the fine country homes of those who sought privacy at length they came to a junction of the road all out here for they could not catch the name "'Isn't that where we're going?' laughed Kate. "'Of course it is,' Ray responded. They hastened out and looked about them for the train they had supposed would be in waiting. It was not yet in, however, but was showing its dark nose a mile or two down the track. "'I must see about our tickets,' said Ray. "'Perhaps we'll have to buy others.' Kate had been standing with her back to the ticket station window, but now she turned, and through the ticket seller's window envisaged the pale bitterly sullen face of lena vroom it looked sunken and curiously alien as if its possessor felt herself unfriended of all the world lena cried kate too startled to use tact or to wait for lena to give the first sign of recognition lena nodded coolly oh is this where you are cried kate We've looked everywhere for you. If I'd wanted to be found, I could have been, you know. The tone was muffled and pitifully insolent. You are living out here? I live a few miles from here. And you like the work? Is it? Is it well with you, Lena? It will never be well with me, and you know it. I broke down, that's all. I can't stand anything now that takes thought. This just suits me a little mechanical work like this i'm not fit to talk kate you'll have to excuse me it upsets me i'm ordered to keep very quiet if i get upset i'll not be fit even for this i'll go said kate contritely and i'll tell no one she battled to keep the tears from her eyes only tell me need you work at all i thought you had enough to get along on lena you often told me so Forgive me, but we've been close friends, you know, even if we aren't now. My money's gone, said Lena in a deep voice. I used up my principal. It wasn't much. I'm in debt, too, and I've got to get that paid off. But I've a comfortable place to live, Kate, with a good motherly German woman. I tell you for your peace of mind, because I know you always think you have to be affectionate and to care about what people are doing but you'll serve me best by leaving me alone understand oh lena yes i'll not come near you but i can't help thinking about you and i beg and pray you to write me if you need me at any time i can't talk about anything any more it tires me there's your train ray bought his tickets to nowhere in particular the little train came on like a shuttle through the blue loom of the air they got on and were shot forward through bright green fields past expectant groves and flowering orchards cheered by the elate singing of innumerable birds ray had recognized lena but kate refused to discuss her life has hurt her she said and she's in hiding like a wounded animal i couldn't talk about her i-i love her it's like that with me Once I've loved a person, I can't get it out of my system. She was staring from the window, trying to get back her happiness. Ray snatched her hand and held it in a crushing grip. For God's sake, Kate, try to love me then, he whispered. It was spring all about them, the pretty ring time, and she had just seen what it was to be a defeated and unloved woman. She felt a thrill go through her and she turned an indiscreetly bright face upon her companion don't expect too much she whispered back but i will try they went on almost with the feeling that they were in Arcadia and drew up at a platform in the midst of woods through which they could see a crooked trail winding here's our place cried ray don't you recognize it not that you've ever seen it before they dashed laughing from the train and found themselves a minute later in a bird-haunted solitude among flowers at the beginning of the woodland walk there seemed to be no need to comment upon the beauty of things it was quite enough that the bland caressing air beat upon their cheeks in playful gusts that the robins gave no heed to them and that the little gray leaves were kind to them never was there a more capricious trail Than the one they set themselves to follow. It skirted the edge of a little morass where the young flags were coming up. It followed the windings of a brook where the wild forget-me-not threw up its little azure buds. It crossed the stream a dozen times by means of shaking bridges or fallen trees. It had magnificent gateways between two oaks, gateways to yet pleasanter reaches of leaving woodland. Whatever can it lead to? wondered kate to some new kind of paradise perhaps answered ray and see someone has been here before us hush he drew her back into the bushes at the side beneath a low-hanging willow a man and a woman were coming toward them the woman was walking first treading proudly her head thrown back her body in splendid motion like that of an advancing victory The man, taller than she, was resting one hand upon her shoulder. He, too, looked like one who had mastered the elements, and who felt the pangs of translation into some more ethereal and liberating world. As they came on, proud as Adam and Eve in their first day of their existence, Kate had a blinding recognition of them. They were David Fulham and Mary Morrison. She looked once, saw their faces shining with pagan joy, and turning her gaze from them, sank on the earth behind the screen of bushes. Ray perceived her desire to remain unseen, and stepped behind the wide-girthed oak. The two passed them, still treading that proud step. When they were gone, Kate arose and led the way on along the path. She wished to turn back, but she dared not fearing to meet the others on the station platform. Ray had recognized Fulham, but he did not know his companion, and Kate would not tell him. "'What a fool,' he said. "'I thought he loved his wife. She's a fine woman.' "'He loves his wife,' affirmed Kate stalwartly. "'But there's a hedonistic fervor in him. He's—he's a fool,' reaffirmed Ray. "'Shall we talk of something else?' by all means agreed kate they tried but the glory of the day was slain they had seen the serpent in their eden and where there is one reptile there may always be another when they thought it discreet they went back to the junction lena vroom was still there she was nibbling at some dry-looking sandwich her glance forbade them to say anything personal to her and kate with a clutch at the heart passed her by as if she had been any ticket-seller. She wondered if anyone, seeing that gray-faced, heavy-eyed woman, would dream of her so dearly won Ph.D., or of the Phi Beta Kappa key which she had won but not claimed. She had not even dared to converse, lest Lena's fragile self-possession should break. She evidently was in the clutches of nervous fatigue, and was fighting it with her last remnant of courage even the veriest layman could guess as much kate hastened home and as she opened the door she heard the voice of honora mingled with the happy cries of the twins they were down in the drawing-room and honora had bought some colored balloons for them and was running to and fro with them in her hand while patience and patricia shrieked with delight what a lovely day it's been hasn't it honora queried pausing in her play I've so longed to be in the country, but matters had reached such a critical point at the laboratory that I couldn't get away. Do you know, Kate, the great experiment that David and I are making is much further along than he surmises. I'm going to have a glorious surprise for him one of these days. Business took him over to the Academy of Science today, and I was so glad of it. It gave me the laboratory quite to myself. But really, I've got to get out into the country. I'm going to ask David if he won't take me next Sunday. Kate felt herself growing giddy. She dared not venture to reply. She kissed the babies and sped up to her room. But Honora's happy laughter followed her even there. Then suddenly there was a scurrying. Kate guessed that David was coming. The babies were being carried up to the nursery lest they should annoy him. Kate beat the wall with her fists. Fool, fool. She cried, "Why didn't she let him see her laughing and dancing like that? Why didn't she? She'll come down all prim and staid for him, and he'll never dream what she really is like." Oh, how can she be so blind? I don't know how to stand it, and I don't know what to do. Why isn't there someone to tell me what I ought to do? Mary Morrison was late to dinner. She said she had run across an old California friend and they had been having tea together and seeing the shops she had no appetite for dinner which seemed to carry out her story her eyes were as brilliant as stars and a magnetic atmosphere seemed to emanate from her the men all talked to her they seemed disturbed not themselves there was something in her glowing lips in her swimming glance in the slow beauty of her motions that called to them like the pipes of pan she was as pagan and as beautiful as the spring and she brought to them thoughts of elemental joys it was as if sailing a gray sea they had come upon a palm-shaded isle and glimpsed calypso lying in the sun-dappled grass end of chapter fourteen